Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. everyone. For our episode today, we are discussing the Nine of Wands tarot card and the astrological sign Pisces. For those of you just joining us, we did a 12-month tarot read at the beginning of the year as a creative container for our topics of the month. And so this, for Pisces season, our card we selected at random was the Nine of Wands. Yes. So before we get into what this means, because, you know, if you're not into tarot, you're like, why would I even sit around and listen to this podcast about mm-hmm. the night of wands? But I think you're going to want to hear because we're, we're talking a lot about overcoming overwhelm. It's what it's what the symbol of the nine of wands really means as an archetypal uh, map. And mm-hmm. it should we should note that this is not only pulled when we pull it. It's not only just for ourselves and how we guide our our content calendar, but it's yeah. It's also that there's an element of application for the collective audience. So we're going to illustrate through our experience, but please consider how and if this is resonating with you as a listener. And I truly believe that we sync up with individuals who are on the same journey or on similar paths. And so Mm -hmm. if you're here listening to our podcast today, like attracts like. And so if you're on a spiritual path, we are probably swimming, haha, Pisces reference, in the same energetic matrix. So, um, and this is the collective thread. And I know for me, a lot of the friends I've talked to this month, we were dealing with a lot of like an unusual amount of overwhelm. And Mm -hmm. the overwhelm was really about this big vision idea, which we'll get into when we talk to the nine of wands or talk about the nine of wands. But before we dive into that, I just want to bring up, we have a newsletter. So if you are new to the podcast or you have been listening for a long time, please head to our website at intentionists.com and sign up for our newsletter. We send it once a month. We will not spam you. And it's a great way to keep in touch. Also, um, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Are we on Spotify, Amy? Yeah. (laughs) I I think (laughs) we're on Spotify. I signed up for it. I don't know. I don't know if it was actually approved, but I did stick the feed in there. So, so we'll (laughs) see. We might, we might be on Spotify. You can let us know. Um, and, or you can, listen to us always on YouTube or on our website. So if you're interested in what we have to say, sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. All right. On with the nine of wands, Amy. Right. So the overall message of the nine of wands is kind of this hope in the face of challenges or overcoming adversity with courage and kind of the idea of like, there's this final push toward a goal but you have these obstacles like doubt and fear and overwhelm arising. I mean, the message for this card is different depending on the deck you use because they all have different imagery. And so I'm going to pull from a couple different places. I have this deck called Prisma Visions, and I really like what the author said about this card. He says that a vision of your own creation threatens to overtake you but it no longer needs your constant attention to survive. And the final trial of this theme is overcoming the vision itself. And 
to me, that kind of is about fully understanding your motivations for a vision and having your true self and your identity self-sufficient apart from your success in one way or another, like whatever it is you're creating. And also for, for those not familiar with tarot, the wands are about the energetic willpower. It's like the fire element. It's about creation, passion, the spring season. So this is what, what wands are about. A book that I was looking in, it's called Around the Tarot in 78 Days by Marcus Cates and Tally Goodwin. They, they said a meditation for this card is... Often our resistance to new ideas is because we are holding on to an outworn one ourselves. So kind of this idea of like understanding the big picture and then understanding when the big picture isn't serving you anymore, when like you need to adjust the picture, like what continually reassessing this. And we'll talk more in a little bit about our experiences this month with how this has played out and it's been really weird because it seems to have lined up a lot like with the actual card for sure for me like yeah times a thousand yes so one more thing about this card from the Aleister Crowley deck the Thoth Tarot he talks about this card being balance of solar and lunar forces and also that change is stability that change guarantees stability and stability guarantees change. Meaning that like if energy ceases moving and adapting and changing, then things fall apart. Like the order of nature requires constant change. And this made me think about like the principle of balance. When you try to stand on one foot, you have to engage all these muscles in your leg and like throughout your whole body. You have over a hundred little muscles and ligaments and tendons in just one foot. And these have to constantly be contracting and relaxing in different adaptive patterns to stabilize your body. Like this is how you stay balanced. And I thought that like this was so interesting for us because we are in this point where we're trying to stay balanced in our own lives and we're trying to stay balanced with pushing forward the podcast and, and continuing to put ideas out into the world Yet we have to adjust along the way. Like it can't, our formula can't remain the same and, and be healthy, like endlessly, right? Yes. So I think we should talk, since you're bringing this up, we should talk about our uh -huh. anxiety and overwhelm about the interviews we had in February. And, I, and right. before we do this, uh, I wanted to just bring up in terms of the grand vision, right? This idea that big vision causes big overwhelm. <laughs> and, and I think... For me, this was, I was absolutely living this out the last four weeks in like every single way. You know, I've been working on a book now for seven months. This was my month to like really get it done. And what ended up happening was I totally tapped into this fountain of creativity. And I was like up late at night and I couldn't sleep. And I was like having all of these ideas, not only for my book, for businesses. I was meeting people things were just like coming at me at a thousand miles an hour. And it was just like, it was incredible. I wanted to be grateful, but I didn't know how to ground it. And I was also mm -hmm. spending, you know, at night I was like having these, these big vision ideas. And just, I was seeing how everything that I wanted was going to, how it was going to work out in terms of like the end result. Mm -hmm. But then there's that transition state of how do I bring the vision 
into reality? How do I internalize it in my body? How do I hold it in my physical body and ground it? And I saw this happening. I'm in, I was in Lisa Lister's, another writing group that she did. She was a guest that we had on the show several months back. She's great. And I did her, she is lit writing group, which I loved. And some of the other women in the group, it felt like they were experiencing this same type of thing. And so it felt like there was something up in the collective, right? That there was this collective energy of like, I am, I'm having such a hard time grounding myself, whether that means raising kids or things are going extra crazy there, or if it's your own actual creative projects that you're working on, whether you're like, I want to build up my practice, whatever it is that you're doing for work, or you're starting a side business, or you're writing a book, or you're doing art, or you're doing a podcast. And so I remember you and I had this conversation the other day, I was heading down to Expo West and I called you to check in and we were both just like, we were, we were having, we were feeling weird about the interviews we did this month, which we, we uh-huh. like loved them. We loved the guests, but we were like, we're so overwhelmed. Like we get, we get so nervous, you guys, when we interview people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can tell, but we are like, I, I don't sleep for like the first you know, the day before. And I'm always like really nervous. And it's really hard to get anything else done that day, because there is an element of just needing to really focus on that one thing. Right. But we require so much energy. Yeah, it does. It really does. And we love doing it. But we also you're, we have all these other projects going on. So anyway, yeah, for me, the the overwhelm and like the weirdness came in because I started going to therapy for the first time this last month. And so I'm like descended into this state of like, I'm analyzing all my motivations for everything and why am I doing what I'm doing? And like, what do I want it to look like? Like I I was, I kept coming up against this thing where like, I want things to like evolve continuously and change in a positive way. And I see that like, I can't do that by doing the same things the same way. And like, as it stood, I felt like maxed out, you know, as far as I don't think that I can shift to more. I was, I was feeling, I was kind of buying into the illusion that like, oh, to push something forward, you just have to like muscle through, like push it, like do more, do more, do more, do more. And I came to this point where like, literally I was, I was like, I need to, I need to like for a time, take my own advice, like from this podcast. And like, I need to like, take my self care further. I need to take my meditation further. I I need to like, spend hours a day journaling and like, try to like sift through this stuff. And so I also want to point out, like, I want to acknowledge you, first of all, because I think when you start therapy, or you even I was doing a writing group, and it's not exactly the same, but you you commit to you commit to diving deeper. And things Mm -hmm. happen when you do that. When you say, I want to become more self-aware. I want to work through what's stopping me, whether that's Mm -hmm. with a therapist or, you know, whatever, whatever container that, that you're putting that in. It's, I'm going to commit to this writing group, or I'm going to commit to a a yoga teacher training, or I'm going to commit to grad school or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. There is an element of things fall apart because you're, (laughs) you're energetically committing to being in a higher state or, or to, to, to examining things on a deeper level. And so your, your body responds, your energy responds. And it's like, all right, you want to deal with this now? Here, here I am, here I am. And so I like your point. I mean, I just wanted to acknowledge you to the, to the point of like, I need to spend time doing the work, which is the journaling. It's not just thinking about it. It's the actual 
getting it out of your body, getting it out of your physical body, whether you're in therapy, talk therapy, or you're writing it out, or you're putting it into art. It's like, you're really going there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just, I felt like for us, I, I had this idea in my mind that like, okay, we can't, if we don't put out four episodes a month, then that means like, we're not doing it right. And it was this stupid, like fake rule that I don't know, like where it even came from. It was just like, that's just how we've been doing it this whole time. Therefore, if we decide to change it, it means we're like giving up, you know, I had that idea going in my mind. But that's I mean, that's not true at all. So like what we came to after after we spoke about this, we decided that in order to like, embody what we're trying to talk about and strive for as far as like, intentional self-awareness, we're going to do episodes two times per month for a time and honor when our, we're being called to like distribute our time differently. And it has, it showed up, you know, in the, all this anxiety and overwhelm for us. And I think that like the collective medicine that we can put out, like through our conversations will be a lot more potent as we kind of honor that, like our changing needs and kind of like have have the little faith that tending to this little garden that is our lives and the podcast is another little garden within that. Um, it doesn't have to be this this unchanging formula. It doesn't have to stay the same. In fact, if it does stay the same, that's like in the nine of wands, it's things fall apart. Things don't go well. Like to adapt is to to change and shift and evolve. Exactly. And so I would ask our listeners if there is some element to your life that where you're seeing a call for yourself to adapt, whatever it is that you're doing. So that if so, what, what isn't working and what is being called to adapt. So, yeah. Yeah. Part of like really looking inside and, and trying to improve your state of mind, your situation, whatever it is, it's, it has a lot to do with just not being a slave to our preconceived ideas and visions like we like we said before about the resistance to change. I was thinking as we were talking about this, what Oprah said in this interview. Mother Oprah. Yes. <laughs> and a hush fell over the crowd. Oprah. Exactly. What did Oprah say? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> she said that she never agrees to something unless she's certain she can be 100% present with that person or project, whatever's being asked of her. I mean, now she said there was time, like she learned over time and she is Oprah now because she behaves this way. She says no, when she's, when she's not going to be able to show up all the way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it has me thinking of all these different ways that we can bring kind of more, more authenticity into the podcast even because it's, it's this weird little thing where we have conversations with each other and with other people and hearing them play back, we really get a chance to see how graceful or graceless we are at considering other people, like just in conversation. And sometimes it's like, yeah, yikes. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, that was, that felt good. But it's just, when we talked about this last week, Hillary, I was realizing as we spoke, like how, how great it felt to have a conversation with you without an agenda. Like we, it feels like we are always talking like in like recorded podcast format <laughs> and it's, 
And it's different. And ideally, I would like it to be the same. Like I would like what we put out there to be like our actual conversations. And so like slowly moving toward that, just like real conversational format, you know, that's not so, I don't know, that's not so... Pre-planned. Well, I think part of it, I think one of the things we touched on with that, with that conversation mm-hmm. was that we wanted to be more authentic about who we, who we are really, right? Like we've, we've mm-hmm. morphed, like we've been doing this podcast now, there's 51 episodes. And when we started, we were like, we just let, we left the church, the Mormon church. And, you know, we weren't really sure where this was going to head. And now we're kind of like, you know, we've changed a lot over the last two years. And so I think we just want to be more honest about what it is that we do and what it is that we bring to the table. And not that there was like some hiding thing, but there's an element of, of a lack of declaring what it is that we're really about. And I thought, you know, what, what we were going over was like, what, what are we really committed to with this? And, mm-hmm. and, and I asked this to our listeners too, like in your own life, what are you really committed to? And, and I thought, you know, when I boil down all of my desires, it's really to be a part of the conversation that elevates the consciousness of the planet, whether it mm-hmm. is talking about how we can be kinder to the earth, whether it's helping someone through a faith crisis, whether it's maximizing our personal creativity, whether it's giving people and, and I shouldn't say giving people, but, um, assisting with the conversation around people taking their power back from patriarchal or, you know, just oppressive forces, whether that be Uh in their family or in their thing. And I thought, you know, that's really what, what we're about here. So to move on from that, I want to talk about Pisces. Can we move on to Pisces? Are we ready? Are we ready to do that now? I think so. I think so. I just, one more thing I wanted to mention about, about this whole process of, of what the nine of wands is calling you to do is have courage, like take courage and have courage in, and that is what will ensure your success. But remember that courage can look like saying, I can't do it all. I can't maintain this in a healthy way in its current form. And Emily McDowell in the episode 50, she illustrated this concept so amazingly. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. But yeah, this whole concept that courage has to mean like forcefully pushing forward, like that's not that's not what it has to be at all. It could be I need more time to meditate instead of talking about meditating. I need more time to feel my emotions instead of strategizing ways to analyze them in a way that might be interesting to an audience and <laughs> on and on and on. I love that. So yep. yeah, just courage and courage can look many, many different ways on to Pisces. Yes. Okay. So Pisces. So for a quick astrology review for you guys, because I know our listeners range from people who are well-versed in astrology and the esoteric, as well as newbies, people who maybe just know what their rise or their sun sign is, or they read the back of a Cosmo magazine or whatever, and they see horoscopes and they think that's what astrology is. So we're going to try to strike a little bit of a balance in covering the basics and diving deep without being too jargony. My biggest beef with astrology podcasts or whenever I hear people talk about astrology is the jargon. I feel like it's really confusing to get it all straight when people are like the conjunct moon of the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what does that even mean? So that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, right? I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm not a dummy and it, I'm just, I've been trying to learn astrology for a long time and it's still really confusing. So it's kind of challenging. So 
We want to start with your natal chart. So you can Mm -hmm. go to cafeastro.com or cafeastrology.com and you enter in your birthday and birth your, then the time that you were born and you can just get a free natal chart and it'll print off and you, you can print it off and see where all of the planets in your chart were when you were born. And that gives you a blueprint for kind of your basic personality. And so I want to just review really quickly. So the sun sign is the month in which you were born. And it's what we all say when we identify as, as what we are. So my sun sign is Capricorn because I was born in January. And it's the place mm-hmm. where you experience the world from basic identity, essence, your central core, your conscious purpose. On an esoteric level, the sun refers to the present and the inherent potential you have to work within the here and the now. And it it represents the yearly cycle of the season. So, so if you're a Pisces, then then you'd be born like, when does Pisces end? It's coming up, right? It's February and March. I think it ends. I think all of them kind of end around the 20th of the month. Okay. So then your ascendant, which is your rising sign, and it's the sign of your first house in your natal chart. So it's the sign of the Zodiac that was rising or ascending over the Eastern horizon at the time of your birth. So I was born in Capricorn, but my ascendant is Leo. So I'm a Leo rising. And this is the face that you show to the world. It's your image. It's your outer self or the mask that you wear to Mm -hmm. others. So it's the outer laying layer of your being. So I appear to the world more as a Leo than a Capricorn. And Leos are like, hey, look at me, look at me. Or I think I did ballroom dancing as like my thing for 10 years. And that's like the most flashy Mm -hmm. you could possibly be. And so I was like, yep, definitely that more than a Capricorn. Yeah, that's so interesting because I've just barely learned what my rising sign was and it's a Libra because I'm I'm like this very, what I do in groups is I'm diplomatic. I'm like the peacemaker person who avoids conflict at all costs, like yes, not indecisive. Like I'm like, where is this coming from? This doesn't sound very Sagittarian because I'm like a sun sign Sagittarius, but it is like it really lined up with the description of the Libra rising. Right. So internally, you're a Sagittarius. Internally, I'm a mm-hmm. Capricorn. Like I have the kind of the melancholy. I'm, very, I'm like no nonsense, but I appear more as a Leo. So in mm-hmm. the esoteric, it's the direction of your soul growth and your unfortunate It refers to the future. It also shows how you come across when you're pursuing your son's purpose. And this is the daily cycle of the earth's rotation. The other part of your, just like your quick snapshot of your personality is your moon sign. And we talked about this in our last month's episode on Aquarius and the moon but it's your emotions, your feelings, and your daily habits. It represents your innermost core of your being, your private feelings, and your subconscious habits and attitudes. On the esoteric level, it refers to your past, your past lives, which could, and it could also mean your, your racial heritage or your early childhood influences. And this is the monthly cycle of the moon's phase. So moving into the Pisces qualities and the collective, and this is really adapting to the emotional and the soul learning. So Pisces is the very last sign in the Zodiac. We are in the very last moon cycle of the astrological year, and it starts over with Aries. So right now we are currently Mercury's in retrograde until March 29th, and it's in Pisces most of the time. And the retrogrades are a great time to revisit, reassess, and reflect. So I thought this really goes well with our nine of wands, right? Mm -hmm. So Mercury rules over our minds and communication. And this is an extra long time for us to be kind of in the watery, intuitive ocean of the creative Pisces. So this is also a good time to revisit your old journal entries. I've kind of been doing this with my medicine wheel journals. Um, When I finished my shamanic training last year, 
I haven't picked up any of the journals. I filled out, you know, probably four different notebooks. And I, I just was going back the other night reading through. And there's often a surprising amount of wisdom that our old self has for our present self. So I, I say this, unless it's like your high school or college journals, at least for me, because that was like 20 years ago, where I basically just talk about boys, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, ah, not those. But I mean, I, I was you and I were talking about this earlier, Amy, in terms of journal writing, how has your journal writing changed as you've matured and, and kind of gone on the spiritual path? So much. For people who aren't familiar with the Mormon church, journaling is a huge thing that we are taught to do from like being little kids. And there's this myth out there that like your the angels will be quoting from your journals like after you die and it's for your posterity. So like there's very much the idea that like, okay, your journals are for people to read so that they can like live good lives and be more righteous basically. So how honest are you going to be in that kind of like with that thought in the back of your mind? Right. Not very. Right. <laughs> so over, yeah, over time, my journals have definitely been more honest and like more exploratory and less like this is what happened today. And that's what happened yesterday. And less more, more less of a chronology of what happened. Right. Right. And not to say that all Mormons internalize it that way, but I definitely had heard that. I, I don't know if it's a general authority quote or if it's actually like in the Doctrine and Covenants in the, in the scriptures for Mormons. But that is definitely the sentiment that like your posterity will be reading this and they will right. they will learn how to live righteous life. This will basically be scripture for like your descendants. Right. And on the one hand, it's like great to write down what happened, but... Uh-huh. I, I write the craziest stuff in my journals now, like heaven help the person right. that finds my journals. It's like, they're insane. It's like, just, I'm just like basically throwing up into my journal as often as possible. And it really does help to process like what it does, what's going on in those, in those places that don't want to be seen. So I'll sometimes just sit in my bed and like, kind of cross my eyes and let my, let like my mind go blank and just kind of see what comes out. And it's sometimes it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And other times it's like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> you right. Know? No, that's, it's been, yeah, it's been much more like a hundred percent symbolic, emotional exploration and like weird musings about like the weird dreams I have and the, like whatever else comes up. Yes. Yes. So it's a good time to review your journals, to see the patterns that are repeating themselves in behavior or in your thought processes. So Pisces also en encompasses all the signs and it gives birth to Aries. This is Pisces landing at the end of the signs of the Zodiac and Aries is the mm -hmm. eye or the beginning, which is willpower and right action. So little more about Pisces. Here's a little bit of astrology jargon. Pisces is ruled by the planet Neptune, which is a water element. What does that even mean, right? Like when mm -hmm. people say like Pisces is ruled by Neptune, like I don't understand. So I, I think I understand it now. I'm going to try to explain it. <laughs> so do you know, by the way, what it means to be ruled by the planet Neptune? Or am I just a... No. No. Okay. Please tell me. Okay. So this is what I think. So we have the planets in the solar system, right? And Neptune, it basically correlates to the phenomenon of the consciousness itself, like consciousness in human form to infinity and to timelessness. And I got this, I'm paraphrasing this, by the way, from the Evolutionary Astrology Glossary by Jeffrey Wolfgreen, which is like 
a super deep, awesome book. If you're into astrology, I recommend getting it. So it's the ultimate reality versus man-made reality. Neptune is the creator of soul for its evolutionary purpose. And so Pisces being ruled by Neptune is going to manifest those qualities over the, over a period of time when you're in, if, so if you're in Pisces, it's about the deep, our deep soul's creativity, our deep, it's like they say, it's watery, it's, it's intuitive, it's really soulful, right? It correlates mm-hmm. to the source of all things or to God or goddess and our natural relationship to the source. And it correlates to the ultimate meaning versus temporal meanings that we give things that ultimately don't really have any meaning when we measure it against the ultimate meaning. Is that kind of like a riddle when I say it like that? No, I, that that's so funny because me, me and Danny, my husband, had like a five-hour conversation this week about like ultimate truth and like not ultimate truth and the ultimate reality that no one knows what's going on and the little realities that we're trying to like be functional in everyday life. And that reminded me. Of it that. sounds like Pisces energy is infiltrating your lives. It's perfect. It's like yes. the right time of, it's the time of the year to be doing that. So it's also... um part of transcendence and the need to transcend temporal reality because it's in the 12th house, which is the end of the astrological, like we've said this before, the astrological or the, the Zodiac, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it kind of compiles all of them and it's the evolution of one's disillusionment. So this is really challenging when we face our own deep inner void, when the disillusionment is occurring, right? So I would say like, hello, faith crisis for me, right? And when you start to realize like everything that I thought it's when we, when we approach whatever topic it is, even if it's like a failing relationship, right? Like it can, it doesn't even have to do with religion or faith. It can be like, I thought I was buying into this whole narrative that the relationship I had with whoever was a certain way. And I'm starting to see it for what it really is. And so I'm transcending what was happening, what if it's an unhealthy situation or whatever. So mm-hmm. emotion specific to Neptune, and this is in regards to the disillusionment of reality, right? This is like like the real deep life crises. It's, it's hysteria. And it's also empathy. So it balances that, it, it balances between when we're kind of in reaction to our temporal falling apart, it's hysteria. Mm-hmm. And when we are in trust, And when we are in flow, it's empathy. So empathy allows us to learn how to love our neighbors or as Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wolf Green was putting it, um, always put other people first. And he, this is his quote from the book that, that he says, Jesus is the ultimate manifestation of this. So remember Jesus ushered in the Piscean age with his birth and we are just ending the Piscean age and moving into the age of Aquarius, right? And they're two, roughly 2000 year cycles. So he was the ultimate manifestation of this, always putting other people first or the pure love frequency. And he had six planets in Pisces and Neptune conjunct his South node, his South node of Neptune. This is a lot of jargon here uh, was in Capricorn, which is ruled by his Saturn in Pisces. So I don't know where, I don't know how Jeffrey Wolf Green got Christ's natal chart. <laughs> Minute of birth. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dang, but I'm just quoting it here. So I don't know. Good for him. When a soul has committed through desire to re to reuniting itself with its own source. And this is, I think the Christ part, right. And has out inwardly realized that source. Then the natural Neptunian emotion of ecstasy will permeate the soul when that direct union with the source takes place. So once any soul has such an experience, it will serve as the very basis and course of its ongoing evolutionary journey back to the source itself. 
Does that make sense? Oh. Is that just like what? Natural Neptunian. <sighs> I know. Like the word Neptunian. Yes. That's interesting. It yes. does sound like when I think – so one of my best friends is a Pisces. And when I think about her, I think about like she feels things so deeply. She like – it says like the emotion of ecstasy. Like she has that all the time. And it's also like coupled with like the shadow side of like – despair sometimes yes, yes. but like but her like ecstasy is what like guides her in life mm-hmm. like her emotional like like she's very in touch with her emotions which i admire so much in people because i don't know what to do with them at this point but yeah that's an interesting quote well and to your point right so there's there's always like a the positive sides or what we would view as positive like to your point which is like highly intuitive you know pisces if you have a lot mm-hmm. of pisces in your chart you're highly intuitive. They basically have all these words, these keywords for Pisces here in this book by Jeffrey Wolf Green. And he talks about the mystic, the medium, the savior, but also the martyr, the victim, mm-hmm. the persecuted, you know, the hopeless, the helpless, the weak boundaries, but also, you know, the fantasy, the poet, the mm-hmm. dreamer, right? So there can be those, you can kind of look at your own Piscean energy and note that when we are collectively in Pisces, these are the, these are the elements that whatever's happening in our, in our own chart, you know, these emotions are up cosmically, right? And so we may be exploring more paths like that. Now, if you, and if you have a lot of water in your chart, or you have a lot of Pisces in your chart, then these might be some things that you are actually, you know, learning to balance in this incarnation is what, what they would say. So Pisces ignites the desire to return to God. Pisces has blind faith and the location of Pisces and Neptune in the birth chart indicates the natural way for the person to spiritualize their life. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to say one thing about like these about astrology and like if you print out your birth chart, you'll it'll be a a wheel, you know, it's like a circle divided into 12 sections. And what all these things mean and stand for, it's not like this is what your chart says and you're a victim of this. It is more about shedding light on these certain patterns of like being in the world, certain patterns of behavior and kind of like like these, just like the tarot, like these archetypal ideas that play out in every life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what astrology does is it just, it sheds light on what patterns exist and how they play out. And really what your soul wants to do in this incarnation. That's what the evolutionary astrologers would say is that it's like, this is, this is the map, or at least this is what I'm assuming based on the book I read. I'm not an evolutionary astrologer, so I shouldn't speak mm-hmm. for all of them. But, um, <laughs> but in this book, it's basically like, this is the blueprint of this incarnation of why you're here in this life, right? So in this particular life, you came in to learn to balance these things. So if you have a lot of Pisces energy, mm-hmm. they talk about um, the Pisces Virgo connection. So all the signs have there are opposites. And so Pisces mm-hmm. and Virgo, like the Virgo energy is, is totally different. And so Pisces can draw on the energy of, of the sign of Virgo, which is a lot more, it's, it's an earth sign and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more judgmental and it's more, it's just, it's totally the opposite basically of everything that we just said with Pisces. And so it's kind of a, it's a call to say, all right, so you have these superpowers, these Pisces superpowers, you might be a really amazing dreamer. You might be 
a really naturally spiritual person. So, so maybe part of your mission in life is to learn how to, to show up in the world a little bit more rather than withdraw. You know, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's anyone's particular thing, but it's, it's exploring kind of the range of the emotions and the, and the experience that life has to offer. Yeah. That's interesting. I like how you mentioned like the connection between the sign and its opposite as a way to bring balance, which is what we were speaking about with the nine of wands. The other thing about Pisces that I was reading about was that they can be great at adapting. Like they can be great shapeshifters and the myth that is associated with the constellation of Pisces, the Greek myth, there's a bunch of them, but the Greek one is that Aphrodite and her son Eros or Venus and Cupid in, in the Roman names, they were attacked by Typhon. I don't know if he was a, a Titan or some monster, but they escaped by transforming into fish and swimming down the Euphrates River. And they tied themselves together with a cord so that they wouldn't get lost and they were able to change themselves into fish. Like the Pisces, I think the sign is, it's, it's fluid like water. It's mutable. You know, this is not a fixed sign. And what we can learn from this type of energy is that we can use our emotions to adapt. Like emotions, can we can either drown in them or we can use them as tools to adapt to situations for like our, our highest good, like Aphrodite and her son, they're, I'm sure filled with fear at this monster going to attack them. But instead of drowning in the fear, they're going to change themselves into fishes. And to your point about the water, it just made me remember this other point about, you know, Pisces being the water sign, but it's also about perspective. Like Pisces can have really unique perspective. And the idea that if mm -hmm. we zero in on a wave, we can, we can kind of say like, oh, the wave starts here and ends here. But if we zoom way far back, it's really hard to understand where the beginning of the, you know, it, it's just all water, right? And mm -hmm. the water always wants to return to its source. And so it's a reminder that the reason why there's this emotional, intuitive, compassionate side of Pisces is that our soul's desire in this 12th house, right? This is the end of the full cycle. It's to realize its total potential, which in the end is to consciously unite itself with its source, which is God or goddess oh. or whatever. Isn't that cool? I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So for a little assignment, as we come to an end here, and, and, and I mentioned earlier that we are basically at the end of the Piscean age and the beginning of the Aquarian age. So we're moving into a new cycle of the next 2000 years. And we did do a ages of the Zodiac episode back, gosh, almost a year ago. And yeah. so if you want to look through our archives, you can learn more about the Piscean age versus the Aquarian age and, and what to expect. But your homework, if you want some homework or a challenge for you guys is to go and mm -hmm. print out your natal chart and really discover all the aspects of yourself, because we are going to be going through each sign for the rest of this, this calendar year. And so it'll be fun for you guys to get more in touch with whatever's going on if you haven't already done that. Yes. And the other challenge, which Hillary mentioned earlier in the episode, is to revisit some of your journals and notice what kind of patterns and cycles played out then and are 
playing out now. And yeah, just see what wisdom your past self has for your current self by doing that. So have fun with that. Yes. I know that we will. <laughs> yes, that's what we'll be doing this month. And please connect with us on Instagram. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend or share. We always appreciate any uh, additional support we get. And we thank you guys again for listening and have a wonderful week. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening. And we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.